Hi, it's Zoe. I am the host of the Zoe Routh Leadership Podcast, which makes sense because it's named after me. (laughs) I love working with CEOs and their teams on the people stuff of leadership. You know, the tough stuff as well as the really fun stuff. And fun stuff is exactly what my guest today has to say about culture and leadership. She is quite a remarkable person. Her name is Fiona Kesby, and she is the co-founder and CEO of the Global Office Virtual Assistants, otherwise known as GoVA. And I first came across Fiona when I was looking to recruit an assistant full-time in the Philippines. And I'd had a couple of attempts at it and hadn't been very successful. Internet connection was always a challenge. The cultural differences were difficult to overcome. I didn't know what I was doing. They had trouble understanding me. So it was a bit of a disaster. Then I came across GoVA. And they do things quite significantly differently. They have a huge office building in the prime business real estate of Cebu in Philippines. And they offer all of their employees full-time employeeship. So it's not just higgledy-piggledy hours here and there. It's a full-time role. And they get a lot of uh, side benefits, including a big one, which is healthcare. And I really loved the way that they looked after the people in the Philippines. They gave them a nice office environment, a good community, a good culture to participate in. And I wanted to talk to the woman who was responsible for growing and creating such an amazing culture at GoVA. And every time Abby, she's our marketing officer, and she's amazing, would show us or tell us about the events going on in the office, I thought, that's a really cool place to hang out. Like, they look after her, they gave her a huge welcome, they made her feel really at home. So she's got a culture and a community of fellow employees that she can hang out with. I thought, this lady Fiona, she knows what she's doing. And she does. So in this amazing interview, we go into the nitty gritty of what she does behind the scenes to build an amazing culture from the ground up in a completely different country. So Fiona is Australian originally, and there she is in the Philippines running an amazing place. Okay, enough me raving on about her. Let's meet her. Let's do this. Fiona, all the way from the Philippines, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Zoe. Great to be here. Really, really excited to have the opportunity to speak with you. I know. Your story is is pretty amazing. So you're an Aussie living and working and running a fairly large, significant company out of the Philippines. What the? How does that, how does that even happen? How do you, how I know. Did you end up over there? <laughs> oh, look, this is a great story. And if 10 years ago someone said to me that I'd be running a company in the Philippines with, you know, 450 team members, I would have said you're crazy. And I know some people did think that I was crazy relocating to the Philippines. I'm a single mum and I came with two daughters as well. So there is no other profile like me uh, here in the Philippines. And uh, so I've had to learn very quickly to embrace being different. And so how it came about is my brother, who's my business partner, came to me and said, I've got this idea for business. We should offer virtual assistance to SMEs so that they don't have to experience what we've experienced in the past. And I said to Matt, uh, I would love to have the opportunity to work with you. I'm looking for part-time work and I'd love to do the sales. And he said, yes, that's great. Now, he's really good at sales, so he just said yes to me. Uh, Next thing you know, he's 
he said, look, come to the Philippines for one week uh, so that you can see the operation there. We had at that stage about 10 team members and he would come across once a month for one week. And I said, yeah, I need to see the operations and experience of Philippines and I'll be able to sell a lot better. And when I was there, I think it was on the the second last day and again being a great salesperson we're staying in a beautiful hotel having a cocktail there's harp music playing in the background and he said one of us needs to relocate here so we can get the culture piece right and we can scale this up and I said that's a brilliant idea when are you moving and he said I can't my wife doesn't want to move we're starting a family and I went I'm like you me I was like I can't move I'm a single mum with two kids Anyway, on the flight, on the way back, I started thinking about it and I thought, hey, this is a really amazing experience and to give my children the opportunity to experience another culture as well, I thought, you know, why not? And I thought about international school for them and the great thing here is, you know, you can afford to have help as well. And so, yeah, I went from part-time heading up sales to next thing you know, I'm living in the Philippines and heading up the whole business. I went from part-time to full-time. I was coming for two years. After 12 months, completely fell in love with the country and, and what we were doing and the people. And it's five years. So I've celebrated five years in the Philippines. You grew from nothing to like 400 plus staff in five years? Yes. That's amazing. Thank you. We'll talk about the growth trajectory in just a moment. But coming back to the Philippines, what is it that you love about the Philippines? Oh, look, it's the people. It's the the kindness, the gratitude, the generosity, the, the resilience as well. You know, it's a country that has had a lot of uh, natural disasters, you know, with typhoons and earthquakes and not in Cebu, I should say, in other parts of the country. And, you know, just seeing that people that, are, you know, are genuinely happy and, you know, that they can work through and, and help each other as well. Here's a great example is seeing we've got a lot of team members when they're working, they save a lot of their money and then they pay for a younger sibling or a cousin to go to university. Now, that is something that I never experienced in Australia. So uh, there's, No. <laughs> my brother says, you're on your own. Sort yourselves out. <laughs> exactly. And so there's, lot, you know, there's lots of those moments where I go, this is a really good learning. Like we can, from the West, there's a lot we can learn from the culture in the Philippines that we should be embracing. Wow, that's amazing. The other piece I wanted to pick up on is like, uh, you offered to do sales. And a lot of leaders I work with are like, sales? Are you like, it's their biggest fear. So what was it about sales that you enjoy? Oh, that's a, that's a good question because I hate cold calling. So don't do any cold calling. I think it was because I genuinely knew that what we were offering could help small businesses. I've come from a family where my parents, I grew up in small business and we could see that there was that need in the marketplace. And, and most of the people that we're working with, they've come to a point in their business where they can't afford another full-time resource in Australia, but they do need to scale. And so they bring on a team member in the Philippines, which saves them about 70 percent of the cost in Australia. It helps them scale their business up and they then in turn hire more people in Australia, they hire more people in the Philippines. And so it's a great win-win for both countries. And when they're hiring people in the Philippines, and especially being a developing country as well, is that there's a further impact on not just that person, but the whole family in better education and better health care. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And I've had a couple of attempts over the years to employ people in the Philippines. And it wasn't until I saw the structure of how GoVA employs its virtual assistants that I got really interested again because it's part-time or full-time employment and the VAs, the virtual assistants, are really well looked after. They work in a beautiful office block. They have great supervision. They get ongoing support. They get health care. They get all these privileges of full-time employment that a lot of other contract VAs just aren't getting. And they have to work out the back of their house and in a tiny little room with dodgy internet and stuff. And that's Mm. when it goes pear-shaped. So I think the value proposition of what GoVA is doing is amazing. And I've been really pleased that the virtual assistants are are being so well looked after there. Um, Thank you. So that was intentional and deliberate, right? Oh, absolutely. So I have a really uh, simple philosophy when it comes to leadership, and that is lead from the heart and be a really good human being. And then uh, something that I'm very thankful to Matt when he first set up the, the business as well is that it was built on a foundation of values. So everything we do and every decision we make, we go back to the values to answer that. And our overarching value is the value of care. And Matt's background was an execution leader for Franklin Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Execution, did you say? Execution. It doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> yes. <This is> like, <laughs> bring out the guillotine. <laughs> um, so, your four disciplines of execution. So, yeah, you got to be careful. Sharpen the saw. <laughs> the saw. <laughs> we could have a lot of fun with that, couldn't we? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, and so, a lot of that is around, you know, when you look after people and they're happy, it means that they feel safe. Then that knock-on effect is that you're highly productive. And then for our clients, it means that when you've got highly productive people working for you, you're not having churn and burn and you can scale your business and create more jobs. It seems so obvious and yet so many leaders don't pay attention to these details. I want to ask you about how you determined your values? Was this like a casual conversation you had with your brother? Did you put yourselves through a process? How did you come to land on those ones? Part of it was family values, how we were brought up. So that was one part. Um, part of it was the work that Matt did with Franklin Covey. Um, and that's where we came with the, the first, it was actually, it's, it's been a process. So the first values, care, drive, learn, execute and find a way and got execute in there as well as in getting the job done (laughs) and so care you're being the overarching one find a way is probably one of my most favorite ones because there's no such thing as no and that's really helped us through COVID-19 and the quarantine so constantly saying to Tim find a way find a way find a way and then about two years ago I went back to Matt and I said there's two more values that the Filipino culture fully embraces that I really want to bring in. And that was gratitude and humility. Humility was also something that was another family value that was installed to us from our dad. And the gratitude of that the Filipino culture shows all the time as well. I'll share an example. I'd be in a taxi and I'd be asked by the driver, what do I do? And I explained what, what I did. Thank you for bringing jobs to the Philippines. I'd be at a restaurant and the waitress asked, are you here on holidays? And I'd say no. And again, 
tell her what I was doing. Hey, thank you for bringing jobs to the Philippines and outsourcing, which means I've got a job because there's a hospitality industry. And it was really refreshing. I, I think we take a lot for granted and it's been so beautiful to see that gratitude. That is really lovely. I'm certainly grateful for the wonderful help I've had through GoVA and our fabulous marketing officer, Abby, who's been a total asset to our business. And she's typical of the fabulous employees you've got there. One of the things I was really impressed with when we first started working together, Abby, and she'd tell me little snippets about what's happening in the office. (laughs) And there was the big office Christmas party. There was somebody's birthday. It was her birthday. And there was like gifts and recognition. And even the induction process was forensic. Like it was very detailed. And there was like a huge support package. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it's amazing. So you had a lot of background with your brother's experience at Franklin Covey, but you also had a particular vision you you had for the culture. Tell me about how that evolved and, and what you had in mind when you went to the Philippines and set up shop. Yeah, so so my background, as well as being a small business owner, uh, was actually recruitment, agency recruitment and internal recruitment. And to share something really personal with you, um, I went through a period of my life where on the outside, people looking in would view it as incredibly successful in what I was achieving at work. On the inside, I felt like I had no confidence. And I was too scared to ask questions or too scared to share with my leader or my manager uh, what I was struggling with. And I actually just, I didn't want anyone else to feel that way. I wanted people to believe in themselves and have that confidence and ask questions and create. I mean, I've had some fabulous leaders that I've worked with and then I've also had some not so fabulous as well. So I wanted to just personally create that environment. When, when you tell someone that you believe in them, it's the best gift that you can give that person and they, they truly will excel. And so that was my personal experience in what I wanted to give back to the team members within that culture. I've done a lot of uh, research as well. So I do a lot of reading about, you know, industry best practice around the world. And, you know, and, and so we will trial different things. Some work, some don't work. What are some of the cultural practices that you've tried that have worked? that have worked. Yeah. Oh, there's so there's so many of them. I think the gratitude is the the really big one. So, question that I asked myself right in the beginning was when we were like 80 team members, I knew everyone, I knew everyone by name. And then as we got to 100 and I knew that we were going to grow further, is how do you create a culture where you've got a few hundred people but they never feel like they're a number? they actually still feel like that they're a person. So I introduced the concept of a chief happiness officer. I got that idea from a company called Zappos, which is in the the US. Uh, They actually have a three-day culture camp, which I attended and learned a lot from. And so continuously ask myself that question, how do we make sure that people don't feel like a number and how do we feel like that they're heard? And so when taking that value of gratitude bringing on the chief happiness officer and, and looking at it a very structured way as well so that we do lots of different activities. So within their first month, I meet with everyone. Now, that used to be face-to-face in the office. Now we're doing that virtually. And the first thing I'm saying when I'm meeting people is thank you. Thank you for choosing GoVA and, and choosing your client. And then we do that again at the six months mark, which is their probationary 
period that they've passed and I say thank you for doing a, a great job. We're asking people, you know, what's gone well, what do you like, what you don't like, what can we improve on? So giving them that opportunity to be heard. Uh, we take everyone out once a month on behalf of the clients to say to them again. 400 you. staff you take out once a month? Yes. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> so we have to now do that over two nights. So we'll do it on a Friday and Saturday night. Some venues we can fit everyone in and others we obviously can't. So it's broken up over two nights. What do you do? You take them out for dinner? Yes. Yeah, so we do. So there's always dinner. Uh, sometimes it could be a movie. Sometimes it could be we'll have different themes as well. So one theme was a Hawaiian night. So we had fire dancers come in and some of the team members got up and did a dance. Karaoke, that's a popular one, <laughs> or a trivia quiz night. <laughs> so I have an amazing Chief Happiness Officer, Michelle, who puts all of this together. So I'll go, hey, here's my idea. And uh, she'll run with it or she'll come back to me and say, hey, this venue will fit us. This is the theme I'm thinking about. And I go, excellent, go with it. Have you ever felt like you've been doing this for five years now that, and doing it once a month that it's turned into an expectation or an entitlement or is it always novel, therefore always interesting? Oh, I think because it's always novel and interesting and because it's part of gratitude, it's part of our way of saying thank you to the team members for doing a great job because our growth to date has not come from outbound sales and it's not come from SEO or Google AdWords. Now, we are changing the SEO bit and we're working on that now. It's actually come from the fact that we focused 100% first on the people and the culture. They did a really great job and that then meant that the clients were either hiring more people or they're telling their friends about us and that's how that growth has come about. And so it's really important that we're recognising on a really regular basis that we're thankful to the team for the work that they've done. And, you know, if your team member was in your home country, you might actually take them out once a month and have dinner or you might catch up and have lunch together. So we're trying to do all those things that you'd like to do but you can't because you're not in country and, and facilitating that for our clients. Yeah, I think that's really great. Otherwise, yeah, it is very difficult to show appreciation all the way from Australia. I went to send Abby something, a package during the pandemic, and <laughs> there was no packages going to the Philippines. I'm like, oh. Christmas cards will get up to 18 months later. <laughs> it's a bit of a joke. but <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And one of the great things was the same thing. Her birthday came up. And I'm like, I can't send her anything. And I contacted her supervisor and I said, can you guys help me out here? If you just add a little bit to my uh, monthly charge, can you organize a hamper for her? And you did, and it was great. And um, she got a whole lot of swag on my behalf, which would have taken forever, <laughs> like two months to get to her. So, yeah, it's too, yeah, especially with the quarantine as well. So that makes it even extra special for, you, for Abby. Yeah. Yeah, so that's been really great that the, there is an interest in building support relationships and thankfulness um, through the whole thing. What's been something that you tried that didn't work? Ah, oh, here's something interesting. So in the industry, people coming to work on time is a really big challenge and that's for lots of different reasons. Well, there's two. One can be the traffic and also there's a difference in can be in culture in the fact that, so here's interesting, in the Filipino culture, if they organise a dinner and invite people to dinner, if you turn up early on or on time, it's actually 
viewed as bad manners because you're saying that you're there early and you want to eat all the food. Now <laughs> That's true. I do want to eat all the food. <laughs> yeah. So I share this with the team when I do the the first catch-up with them when they first arrive and I go, is this true? And they all laugh and they giggle. And I said, and I said, there's no right and wrong with culture. We need to understand it. And I said, so this is, this is sort of historically from the Filipino culture. I said, however, if we look at the Western culture, if we get invited to dinner and we're late, it's actually bad manners. So with getting to work on time, there's real difference in what could have been known as what we call Filipino time, which is a bit like, you know, like island time, sort of you yeah. turn up once you turn up, whereas in the West, it's like, okay, this is the time, it's, we've got to be early, we've got to start on time. And so we went through a period of time where we had teams that only 40% were turning up early. And so I tried different things over the years. One year, we actually did a competition where if you were on time every month, you would receive uh, a ticket in a drawer and you could win your mortgage or rent for 12 months. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, but in saying that, there was a cap on the price and obviously it's nowhere near as expensive as Australia. And I'd seen this done in Clark in Papanga where they actually could win a home. And when they, this company did this prize that everyone would turn up for work on time all the time, 100%. It was, it was amazing. Now, we trialled that and it didn't work. But interesting enough, when we changed it to using scoreboards in groups, like one group against the other, that actually worked And as a friendly competition. And, you know, we've in the 95 to 99% of our teams are always early for work, which in the call centre industry, and also, if you're speaking to a lot of people that have got virtual assistants working from home directly without that support in between, often one of the biggest frustrations is, oh, my team member hasn't started on time. I don't know where they are. I can't get in contact with them. Wow. So, yeah. So, that was an interesting one. Of, I thought that the uh, winning the prize of rent for 12 months would work, but it didn't. But that's okay. We gave it a go. So, did you ever get to the bottom of why that didn't work? Culturally, because in the Philippines, the group or the family is very important. And so with the competition of, you know, it's not letting your results coach down. It's not letting your group down. And that became more successful being part of the group than that individual prize. Wow. So that comes back to values, really, isn't it? It's valuing the collective as opposed to valuing the individual. Yes. So no one was really motivated to stand out on their own. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and so here's something from a cultural difference as well as, you know, like often I go to have lunch, I have it by myself and I'm okay with that because it's like, oh, I've got 20 minutes to myself, clear my head and, and think about it. And people would see me out eating, they'd come up to me, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine, really enjoying my quiet time by myself. But with the Filipino culture, it was like we eat together and we eat together as a group and we enjoy that time. And so I'd explain the difference, say, hey, I'm really okay. I just need to have some headspace time. And they were like, okay. Okay, she's crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> do you ever see a Filipino off on their own? No, no, it's always, um, always with the group. So I think the pandemic lockdown would have had a massive psychological and emotional impact on Filipinos. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's the, I think for anyone, it's the isolation. And I think here for culturally as well, that you're not getting that connection that you normally would. Yeah, that's really fascinating. 
what is the culture in the Philippines with leadership? How do they perceive leadership? Uh, so it's a very hierarchical culture where it's normally, you know, you have a leader, they tell you what to do and you just follow what they've asked you to do. And so obviously in the West, we're a much more flat structure and we like to employ people that are going to bring experience to our organisation and we want their feedback and input. So that's been the cultural bridge that we've needed to do a lot of work on in explaining that those two differences and to say, hey, it's okay to share your ideas with your client and it's okay to say that there's a, a better way of improving a process. They're not going to be offended. They're actually going to be really excited that you've helped them see a more efficient way. And that's why we have a results coach as opposed to a team leader. So normally a team leader is someone that QAs work and does training, where a results coach is, is purely a coach. And, and some of the things that they're coaching on is that the virtual assistant knows they can go to their results coach and say, hey, I've got this idea, I want to share it with my client, but I'm a little bit too shy. And it's, hey, it's okay to share that idea. Remember, that's a really good thing. Your client's going to be really happy. Or if the team member is too shy, the results coach will go, hey, I'll do it on your behalf. And then they'll see that there's been that positive feedback from the client and then they're more confident to do it the second time. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. And how do they, what is the perception of female leaders? Ah, oh, brilliant. No glass ceilings in the Philippines. It's been the most refreshing experience for me. So interesting enough, the Philippines has the highest percentage of females in management positions in Southeast Asia and it's up there as one of the highest in the world as well. So it's been a completely different experience to working in Australia. And what do you put that down to? Oh, good question. I ask this quite a bit. Look, I think one thing is childcare support. So in the Philippines, any of our team members working for us can afford to have they call a yaya or a nanny at home. Now, the average worker in Australia cannot afford to have a full-time helper, can they? It's just, mm. it, it's insanely expensive. So that's one part that helps childcare. Uh, the second is the family unit, so that your mum or your grandmother or your sister or your cousin, if they're not working, they will help look after your child so that you can go back to work. And Because normally then when you go back to work, you do share your income with the greater family extended family as well. So it means that women don't have to, they can have more balance. They're not at that point of their career where it's, oh, I've got a choice either I'm raising the kids or I'm going to follow my career. And, and they can have that balance and they can have both because they've got that support. Okay. Yeah. And that's interesting also how the fabric of a society supports uh, women at work and therefore it's easier for women to prioritize their career and to get ahead and therefore be more visible more acceptable and yeah and more accomplished and look I'm not really sure where this comes from as well but there's this entrepreneurial spirit in the Filipino woman as well in that they would often have a little side business to support their family as well whether it was a little laundry business or a cooking business um, somewhere in history that and I, I need to do some more research to find out where that's come from but there's just this values of really hard working and supporting the family. 
The family unit at home is not mother, father, or kids. It's it's multi generational, isn't it, and extended? So three generations. Three. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be grandparents, parents, and then the kids, and then there could be cousins as well. Okay. So yeah, that's quite a big household, and is the expectation that every working adult pools their money or at least portion of their money into the household budget? Yeah, that's correct. That the money will go back to support the whole family. And that's why there's there's so much gratitude and interest in the outsourcing industry as well, because historically, to earn a really good income to support your family, if you were highly educated, you actually needed to leave the Philippines and you would go to Australia, the US or the Middle East or UK to work and send money back home. And with the opening up of the outsourcing industry, it was, oh, I can actually stay within my home country in the Philippines, I can work within the outsourcing industry and be paid better than the local Filipino companies and get better working conditions and better benefits. Uh, If they're working for a Filipino company, it would be six days a week. Working for the outsourcing industry, it's five days a week with private medical insurance. Uh, The Philippines is very much like the US where it's frightfully expensive if you need to get medical care and if you don't have insurance. Yeah, okay. So coming back to you as a leader, what have you learned about yourself in the last five years at the head of this enterprise? Uh, Two things. Uh, Oh, three things. So like I said, it's keeping leadership simple and leading from the heart. People react to situations with only in two ways. It's fear or love. And so I'm a big believer of of stopping and thinking, how am I reacting? Am I acting with fear or is it love? And I'll give you an example. When the quarantine hit and we needed to get 80% of our team, so over 300 people overnight working from home, and the fastest way to do that was everyone had to take their PCs home. And our competitors were charging their clients anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000 as a security deposit. And my first reaction was, oh, we need to do that too in case we lose computers. And I said to the team, have I acted with fear or love? Now, obviously, they didn't want to answer me and I answered for myself and I said, I've reacted with fear, haven't I? Let's need to answer this with love. We're not charging the clients. Let's just get these PCs home tonight so that there's no downtime and believe that everyone's going to do the right thing. When the time's ready to come back, they're going to bring the PCs back. That's been one learning. The other is my understanding around confidence. I used to always think that a confident person was the person that knew everything and could do the public speaking. And I previously hadn't thought of myself as a confident person. And then when I truly understood what the real meaning is, which it's bravery and it's that ability to give it a go and that part of bravery is the first part of it is you feel really fearful. And so we actually have a saying at GoVA, which I say to the team, we have it in our presentations, we have it on coffee cups, we have it on t-shirts, you'll see it on our website. What we say to our team is, you are brave, you are resilient, and you are remarkable. And so what that means is that each day we need to be brave. So each day we've got to give it a go. Even if we're a little bit fearful, we've got to give it a go. Then when we give it a go every single day, that's resilience. And when we build up our resilience, that's how we create a remarkable life for ourselves and for our family. And you said a third thing. Or did oh, you get the third them thing. <laughs> oh, being different. Absolutely embrace being different. 
I'll share with you a little story. When I first arrived here, and I'd either be at social events or networking events, the first question people would say to me would be, what brought your husband to the Philippines? And I'd have really? to explain, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as an expat. And then I'd have to say, oh, actually, I'm divorced, I'm a single mum, and I've come here, we've got a family business. So, and then I'd go to events and I just look different. You know, I'm, I'm female, I'm Australian, I have blonde hair. And then I was starting to do things differently as well. And the first thing that we did differently was paying the private medical insurance. So all our competitors would pay that at the six month mark once people had done their probation period. And I asked the question, why are we waiting six months? And I was told it's industry standard. So I said, let's set the industry standard, let's not follow it. I said, we're doing this from day one. That comes under our value of care. This is also a great attraction and retention strategy as well. Now, that combined with taking everyone out for dinner once a month, which no one else does, I had a lot of other industry leaders would tell me on a regular basis that I was doing it all wrong and that I was wasting my time and I was wasting money and that the industry is churn and burn. Because in Manila, it is churn and burn. They'll, companies will go through 90% turnover to 100% turnover in call centres. And I had to embrace being different and doing it different and it paid off. You know, five years later, we've been able to grow GoVA with a really great culture and I look back at those people now that used to say that to me and I go, oh, either not in the country anymore or your business hasn't scaled at the same rate that we've scaled as well. So yeah, so embrace being different. I love it. Those are really, really cool things. So last question for you. What's the best piece of advice that someone has given you? Oh, there's so many over the years. I think most recently has been never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> and what did that mean? What was the context for that one? <laughs> uh, so oh, it, this actually, someone said, shared this analogy with me just today, that if you're in a running race and you're running around the corner and all the runners have stopped, are you the person that stops running or do you run faster? And so, you know, when COVID-19 has hit and quarantine has hit, it's been really hard for businesses. And I think as a leader, the most important thing is that you have to, first of all, look after yourself really well so that you can make really good decisions. And then you have to stop and think and problem solve and pivot really fast as well and look for what are the opportunities that come about with a crisis because as a leader you know our, our duty is and our responsibility is create jobs and look after people and and in the Philippines even more so because I know that each team member that we have working for us is not just supporting themselves but they're supporting their family and other families as well. Mm, yeah oh, well that's a good one never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> There's so much to learn and there's so much opportunity to be gained in a crisis, but it's, um, it takes presence of mind to get past the panic and to get past the frozen brain that can happen when you're facing so much uncertainty. Certainty, yes. And I, I think also the other great advice I've been given over the years as well is to never stop learning. Mm. And part of that is to have a really good coach as well. 
I've currently got a, a business coach and uh, he's based in the US and previously I had another coach that was um, based within the Philippines as well. And that, that all falls into that, you know, always be learning, which is discovering and, you know, embracing new ideas, which leads to problem solving. I love it. I love your energy. I love your philosophy. And I love what you've done with GoVA. It's been a big help to my business. And I think it models what's possible out there in business more broadly. So Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, Zoe, thank you as well. I'm so excited today and to have the opportunity to speak with you. And congratulations on your book. I can't wait to read it as well. <laughs> thank you. Or your yes, latest keep- book, I should say, because I know it's not your first. It is book number four, and I'm very excited. It is with the printers and will be on bookshelves very soon. So thank you for mentioning it. (laughs) No problems. As I said, really looking forward to reading it. And no doubt will help me with other ideas to implement uh, at GoVA as well. Cool. Wasn't she amazing? I just love her energy. She's just a huge bundle of love. And I love the fact that Fiona's values really started from the beginning of caring and being a good human. So that's what I'm taking with me from this interview is about caring, being a good human and practicing gratitude with the people around you. I love the disciplines that she has and the practices she has with her team about expressing that gratitude. And it really does flow through in everything that they do. And it comes across that that huge sense of warmth. It's lovely. I wanted to give a huge shout out to my regular podcast listeners who have been giving wonderful feedback. So thank you to Bernard and to Nerida in particular for being so encouraging and for making comments to me about what they like about the podcast. And I really appreciate it. It really helps me keep going with these interviews and to keep bringing these amazing leadership stories to the table or to the audio waves, (laughs) the virtual audio waves on the table, whatever. You know what I mean? So thank you so much for your gratitude and appreciation. I really appreciate it. And if you want to show appreciation, one way that you can do that is to share this podcast with other people. Help get the word out about these amazing interviews and the great leadership lessons that we contain. That would make a big difference to me and to other people too, to get the benefit of the stories. In the meantime, live well, lead well.